0: This morning we are continuing in a series called, Who is the Church? And this morning I am very aware of the fact that the church is, is a bunch of humans. I mean, it's, it's, it's a people, it's real people, all kinds of different people, all kinds of different people who have lots of different experiences, different places that they've come from, um, different makeups of their households. And it's for that reason that I am so very thankful that a, a small group of, well, actually, it's not all terribly small, it's about 41% of us our are 5th grade and under, that when they gather in CP Kids, they sing songs and learn them like, My Jesus, I love Thee. I love Thee in life, and I love Thee in death. I love Thee as long as You lend me breath. Friends, I don't care who you are, what your household looks like, or why you're here, or what your experience is, there will be a day that you need those words. And how sweet it is that those who serve so faithfully in Cross Point Kids are giving those words to the children. I'm just glad that this morning that we all got to have those as well. We are the church together with Christ as our Head. And because Christ is our Head, we need to know that we need Him. We need to know that He has loved us so that we can love Him in life and in death. And in all of these things, He is ours and we are His. That is fundamental. A s- fundamentally a summary of what this two-week mini-series is about. I mentioned that we are in this series of who is the church. It's really, it's a four-part series. Uh, the church is Jesus, who is the head of the church. The elders, who are lead shepherds under Christ, the chief shepherd. The church is deacons, who are lead servants in the church. And the church is partners, made up of the elders, the deacons, and the whole of the partnership, who are under Christ our head but we're shortening that series this time around to simply the church is Jesus the head of the church and the partners who are the body or the members of the church. This morning we are going to consider Ephesians 2:10. You read it just a moment ago. I would encourage you to turn to it now. We're going to walk through three sections of that verse. It's such an important one. It's one that cannot be removed and ripped out of context. It comes within the flow of the preaching of the Gospel that we, our role in the Gospel, is the bad news role. Right? We are dead in trespasses and sins. God's role is the grace-giving role, the good news role in the Gospel. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, our role... Made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. That's the context within which we find Ephesians 2.10. Follow along with me as I read it again this morning. For we are His workmanship. There we get our definition. We are His workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your Word this morning. I pray that it would ring with the truthfulness that Your Spirit can bring to it as we are united to Your Word with faith, Lord, that we would... Believe what your word says about us, that we would not seek to define ourselves, we would not seek to carve out a a place for ourselves in this world, but we would simply receive what you have done, that you get to declare who we are if we are in Christ, and that if that is who we are, then we are the in Christ people. Lord, define us this morning as your people, as your church. And Lord, having received our definition, we would understand not only who we are, but how we are to walk. Thank you, Lord. We pray this in your good name, trusting you to work by your word this morning. Amen. This morning, we're, like I said, we're going to look at just three things with this passage. Uh, the first thing that we see right at the beginning, it tells us who we are. It's our identity, our definition moment we are God's workmanship. If we are in Christ, if we are His church, if we are the redeemed, if that's true, then we are God's workmanship. Who is the church? Now if you look back at Ephesians 2, you see it is all about grace. In fact, it's been about grace since Ephesians 1 because Ephesians 1 is all about His work, His love, His will, His purposes, in Him, through Him, to Him, all-in-all all, glory words, right? And then in chapter 2, it begins to call all of that will, all of that purpose, all of that work of God, it begins to call it grace. By grace, you have been saved. And raised up with Him and seated with Him, it says in verse 6, in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I love... There are so many unnecessary words in this passage. Like really, just mark through them. Unless they were to tell us something that we would forget so easily about some of the words that come before it. In verse 6, "...and raise us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places." So we're all like, yeah, here's me in the heavenly places. That would be our disposition, except for the Apostle Paul in writing this tells us, now that's in Christ Jesus, you know. Like you aren't just sitting there. Christ is sitting there on your behalf, and if you are in Him, where are you? Seated in the heavenly places. And it does it over and By grace you have been saved. Like Don't forget it. Yes, you're saved. And before you get too jumpy, remember it's by grace. You have been saved. If you're going to get jumpy, get jumpy in worship. Get excited in praise. Over and over again, He qualifies Himself. Even in verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, by the way, for good works. Yay, I get to do good works. And we're so prone to go to religionism and become a good works people. And then we're told, no, these are things that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them because we are a people who are an in Christ people. You can see like the logic of this passage. It is about our God. We are a people, this is so important, who received an identity. We did not carve it out. We did not create it. We are not a good works people. First, we are people who have received an identity and our identity is by grace and grace alone. The work of the grace of God is who we are. We are a people who are crafted and created in redemption. I want to offer this quote from Tim Chester and Steve Timmons in their book, Total Church. An incredible book describing who is the the church. Let me say this. An identity that I construct for myself is far removed from an identity I received by grace. Grace. Churches are full of people trying to earn their identity or prove their worth. As a result, we lack assurance. When are you done proving it, right? Contentment. Or we put others down to bolster our own self-perception. Or are dependent on the approval of others. Or are self-righteous and vulnerable to any circumstance that prevents us from fulfilling our ministry. But the key defining relationship for Christians is our relationship with God. Who am I? I am a child of God, the bride of His Son, the dwelling place of His Spirit, and this identity is given to me by grace. Now... If you read this passage and you read other passages in Scripture, they speak with a resounding voice that even that helpful quote is incomplete. Because this is not only what I am, this is what we are together as the church. See, I am not the bride of Christ. We are. Together, as a people purchased into a redeemed community at the foot of the cross, promised resurrection, secured in His victory and resurrection, we are together a people who are the bride of Christ. We are God's workmanship. It's a plural we, right? Like, unlike those non-plural we's, I suppose. The work that He's doing is in us together as the church. A work that is done in community. We are each saved. This is true. Particularly, miraculously, by the Spirit's intervention, He invades a dead in trespasses' heart. One of them at a time. Grants life. And faith so that we're united to His grace. This is true. And in that moment, that individual heart is now a people. In that moment, the redeemed individual changed, transformed from dead in trespasses to alive in Christ is alive in Christ together with the church. Immediately. Who are we? We are God's workmanship. We are partners in the gospel. We say this often at Cross Point Coast, not because we have united around a mission, but because the Redeemer has united us into one people. Now, the mission of Cross Point Coast is a mission to point our community to Jesus Christ, but that is not what we are united around. We are united around Christ and a people now made who are a community that exists because of redemption by grace through faith alone are given a mission. We are together partakers of grace and as a people who are partakers of grace we become proclaimers of grace. We are saved by a God that is greater than ourselves. And being saved by a God that is greater than ourselves, we are saved into a church that is greater than ourselves. See, I find this amazing. You see, the church is not a collection of individuals united around something that we thought was cool. So that the church is nothing more than the sum of ourselves. But rather, the church is a people that is absolutely true. A people transformed. This is absolutely true. But a people transformed with a head who is Christ. You see, that's much better than a people who decided to get up early on a Sunday. Isn't it? We are far more than simply who we are because our God is greater. The church is more than a collection of individuals. It is the workmanship of God. It's like looking at a work of art or a finely carved piece of furniture or a sculpture and saying, look, carved stone. Look, whittled wood. No. It is craftsmanship where the artist is intimately involved. He's left his mark so much so that the wood begins to disappear. It's not stone any longer. Friends, we aren't us anymore. We are a whole new thing. We are a redeemed people. Guys, I find that to be a relief. I I come back to that and walk in that often. Functionally, a relief and a freedom. Here's a, a couple things that that does for me, what it does for us as a people. It means that we no longer have to build our own little kingdoms. We're adept at doing this. We default to building our own little kingdoms. Me and mine. We're no longer subject to proving ourselves. We're no longer subject to making ourselves great and carving out our place in this world. We no longer need to strive to make a name for ourselves. There's a passage in scripture. All right. It's Genesis 11 and 12. It's a passage that often the children are familiar with. Okay. The passage of the Tower of Babel. That's in Genesis 12. And I, I believe that the Bible is written in the order that it is, and the history happens in the way that it is, because there is one who is providential, like we talked about in the tre- decrees of God. That Genesis 11 takes place where we have a people in the Tower of Babel who gathered together, and we're told explicitly, they gathered to make a name for themselves. Okay? They're little kingdom builders, but they weren't satisfied with a little kingdom. So they got a bunch of them together and they built a king, big kingdom that stretched up to the heavens, right? But what is their business? Their business is no different than yours and mine. Their business is no different than our rebellion and sin in this world, right here in this county. They were kingdom builders. They were making a name for themselves, calling out their own place in this world. But Genesis 11 happens right before, this is just rocket science here, Genesis what? Come on now. 12? (laughs) Anyone? (laughs) But what's Genesis 12? Genesis 12 is the call of a man who was nothing. His name wound up being Abraham. Like He didn't even have a cool name that we know today. He was just Abram back then. And God comes to Abram, who would later be known as Abram, Abraham, and God makes an, a promise that would blow the tower of Babel out of the water. He makes a promise to make his great and his name great, literally it says, so where in Genesis eleven they were explicitly going to make a name for themselves, and God puts it down and destroys it in twelve immediately after God goes to one lonely little man and promises to make his name. Great. And then to multiply his descendants, and then through him, all the families of the world would be blessed. I think those are put up next to each other for a reason. Here, we have this people in rebellion against their God in Genesis 11. They're striving, they're laboring, they're reaching to the heavens to make a name for themselves. And then in Genesis 12, we have the heavens reaching down to a man and the family that he will represent, and declaring by grace that God will make a name. And that through that name, all the families of the earth would be blessed. How do all of the families of the earth become blessed through this man? Jesus is the descendant of that man. Through the descendants of that man would come the people who would record the Scriptures for us and bear witness to the great God. Jesus would be born so that all who repent and believe might be blessed. And what do we repent and believe? What do we repent of? We repent of our labor for making a name for ourselves. Apart from God, on my own, I can live, we say. We repent of that. And we say, I've been laboring. I've been striving. I've been building my own little kingdom in this world. But God, You have reached down and You have revealed grace in the face of Jesus Christ. In sin and rebellion, each one of us have labored to make a name for ourselves, to build our own private kingdom. But Jesus came to earth. He reaches down. He lives the perfect life. He dies in the place of rebels so that we can take on his name, the name that is above every name and enter into his kingdom forever. So really, it's, um, it's just two stories. We have the Genesis 11 story and we have the Genesis 12 story. You can continue to strive in this world. You can continue to try to make a name for yourself in this world. Or you can submit to the Christ. You can repent of your sin and rebellion and receive a name that is from above by grace. And friends, this kingdom does not endure. And this kingdom is Forever. We no longer strive to make a name for ourselves. We no longer live in fear to protect whatever we think we've carved out in this world. Instead, we get to receive a name. Now, now you can see why the Steve Timmis and Tim Chester quote from earlier is so important. An identity that I construct for myself is far removed from an identity that I receive by Grace. Brothers and sisters, we are the body of Christ. Jesus is our head, the bride of Christ. Jesus is our leader, protector, and provider. We are the redeemed. Jesus is our Savior. We are the children of God, God our Father, Christ our brother. The first application for us this morning, before we continue in our verse for just a few moments, the first application for us is that we would lay down all of our striving to make a name for ourselves and take up the name of Christ. Who is the church? And if your answer is a bunch of things that we do, it's the wrong answer. I would ask you, when you've shared with people about Cross Point Coast, your, your local church, what are the answers that you would give? Brothers and sisters, our first answer has to be, we are a people in Christ. And if we're not that, we're nothing. Whether as individual families or individual lives, we can often replace Christ with careers and hobbies and houses and reputations. We can even replace Him as a church when we begin to strive to make our name great. Perhaps we think, we're cross-point Coast. Yeah, Our church has something that other churches don't got. That's who we are. We're building our own little congregational kingdom. Check us out. Friends, in that moment, we are as bad as the Tower of Babel, and it will end in the same way. So, perhaps we ought to go back to where we came from just a moment ago in a prayer of confession to confess that all we have and all that we need is that which has been freely given by grace. And may we never stand up from that place. We have a kingdom of heaven. So no kingdom of this world, no name under heaven is going to satisfy. Won't trade it for anything. We're a people of grace. We are, according to the scripture this morning, we are God's workmanship. Okay. Look again with Ephesians 2.10. We are His workmanship, Created in Christ Jesus. Now, the word church in the Scriptures in in Greek, in which these New Testament Scriptures were originally written, the word for church is ekklesia. It simply means the called out ones. And we understand who we are, how God has formed us, and what purpose to which He has called us. When we understand that, we may begin to understand how we are to be And what we are to do. It's only after we understand who we are in Christ as His called out people that we begin to understand how to work and how to live. I can tell you, I can't tell you how many times I've asked a favor of Matt Hardy. Okay? Even this morning. I've done it like three times. All right? And how often his response strikes me, he simply will very often to me say, Hey, you're my brother. What's mine is yours. It's it's almost like he's telling me over and over again, we have a daddy, and it's all his. What he's doing is he's reminding me not of what he has to do. He's reminding me of who we are. Do you see how that order works? We are something together, and being something together, a family in Christ, there's clear implications for how we live. This appears as we share our needs with one another without fear and without shame. This appears as we sacrifice and share our lives with one another with joy. It appears as we confess our sins to one another without pretending and performing because we have a Christ who has dealt with the very sins that we are confessing. We're just saying, will you remind me again what what Papa and Brother did about what I'm confessing to you right now. Will you just preach the gospel to me again? This appears as we encourage and rebuke one another. Truth and in, in love. We're not afraid because we have a God and we have a kingdom and we are in Him a people, a family. God our Father, Christ our brother, and our identity is in Christ who teaches us how we are to be. Look at it again. for we are His workmanship. And He wants to go out of His way to remind us that we are created in Christ Jesus. That's code word, right? It's code word for the work of the gospel. Life, death, resurrection, promise, ascension, and promise of return. We are created in Christ Jesus. And we are created, third, for good works. I want to, what I want to do is I want to go to the Gospel of John for just a moment. I want to consider Jesus' own words about the works of his disciples. What is the walk and behavior of the people of God? And as we look at that, we'll begin to discover who is the church. What do we look like? What are the works that are created in advance for us? John 15, 9. John 15, 9. I would encourage you. So you don't get distracted by 2.10 and begin listing off a bunch of do's and don'ts to write John 15.9 in the margin of Ephesians 2.10. In John 15.9-11 it says, As the Father loved me, so I have loved you. That's good news, friends. That means that Jesus loves us. Abide in my love is this command. So if people loved by God are given this command... Abide in my love. As a parent, I can tell you, I I have a little glimpse of understanding into that command. Because I, I tell my kids to do stuff all the time. You can ask them. They'll tell you what it was. But the number one thing I would ask of my children, stay in my love. To be honest, at some point, it doesn't matter what else you do. If you'll just remember Your papa loves you. And if you would just walk in in the path that that carves out for you. Jesus says, abide in my love. And then he says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. So he says, look, my love has carved out a space for you to play. And it's good and it's beautiful. It's called my commandments. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Look how sweet it is for the Christ to be in the Father so you can be in the Christ. These things I have spoken to you, that why? Why did He give us commandments and this commandment to abide in love? That my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. What does God want for His people? Joy. So where is the joy of the church? Well, the joy of the church is by knowing Christ, walking in faithfulness as His disciples, and we're told what walking in faithfulness as His disciples looks like, it looks like abiding, being satisfied in His love. That's what it looks like. Abiding in love. Why do we not strive and fit and rage against one another? Well, why can we give sacrificially in the church and in the community. Why can we be patient and persevering? Because we're not striving. We already have something. We've already received love by grace. And our patience and our sacrifice and our obedience and our faith are the means of our abiding or remaining in Christ with joy. I love the Papa. I love the Father. I love the Son. And I love His way. Do you see? That's what the church says. I love the Lord God. And I love His way. It's joy when I'm there. He continues. John 15, 12-13. And we learn that Jesus created us to love one another. This is my commandment. So, abide in my love by obeying my commandment. And now I'm going to tell you what my commandment is that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that someone lay down his life for his friends. You know what that means? That in Christ you can actually love one another. You're not only given the freedom to love one another, you're giving the command to abide in the love of Christ by loving. One another, We are free to lay down our lives for one another because Jesus has given us his life. And we can't lose it. The Apostle Paul says to live is Christ and to die is gain. Why? Because there is something that is gained in Christ that can never be gained or held on by holding on to the things of this world. Do you believe that? Do you believe that there is something to be gained by having Christ that is greater and more enduring than the things that can be gained by holding on to this world? If you believe that, then you are free to love one another by laying down the things of this world. The love of Christ has literally freed you to actually love and call it gain actually sacrifice, and call it gain. Philippians 3.8, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. This is how we can love one another even when we are unlovable. Remember, that is the love of Christ. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Remember the state of rebellion that we were in when God first loved us and gave Himself for us. That frees us to love one another when we are unlovable. When we don't receive joy from loving each other. In fact, you tick me off sometimes, right? You can be honest. That's what I love about the Gospel. The Gospel can look reality in the face and say, these church people tick each other off they're not cool they're not fun sometimes they say unkind things they're unthoughtful and we're free to love one another anyway right there in that moment and it's no hardship so we have Christ and Christ is gain so the command for us is cross point coast love one another you know i've seen you i've seen your hospitality And I've seen that that is one of the greatest evidences to this pastor that you are a church. And that we are a church together. I've watched you love one another. Look at John 15, 26-27. Just a little bit later in the passage, it gives us the third thing that Christ has given to us, that He has created us to make Him known. He's created us to abide in Him, love Him, and make Him known. John 15, 26. When the Helper, the Holy Spirit, comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, which proceeds from the Father, the Spirit will bear witness about me. That's what the Spirit does. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. Again, Jesus tells us who we are. We are, as a people, we are a people who are filled with the Spirit of God, As witnesses. We don't have to come up with good advice for people in our community. That's so important. It's freeing to a pastor. Because here's what this means. As a pastor, I don't have to be creative in my preaching. There are things that I'm creative about. The one thing that I found very early in my ministry, there are much better creative public speakers than me. But I don't have to be creative at all. In fact, if I was creative, it would be a problem because it's my job not to bear witness to my own imagination or creativity. It's my job and your job together as witnesses to witness to the truth. So all I have to do is read it, repeat it. As a people, we are called and created by Christ. Our work is to abide in love. Our work is to love one another and make that love known among the world. You see, love is not something that we create. It isn't something that we work up. It is not something that we strive for. It is something that is received, revealed by grace, and we bear witness to it in our love for one another and in our proclamation in the world. What I want to do is I just want to go back and look at each one of those very quickly. And in going back and looking at each one of those, I want to consider how do we do that here at Cross Point Coast? Who is the church right here? We remember that the church is those who abide in Christ. Now, if we are those who abide in Christ, we are particularly those who abide in the Word and in the Lord's Supper. And these two things are the root of our celebration services. Our gathering here is non-negotiable. It's an, an essential part of what it means for us to be a church because the church is the church together. And so this morning I want to call you to this very practically. Prioritize the gathering of the church as a non-negotiable necessary means of our abiding together in Christ. This is most clearly seen by both ourselves and the watching world when we gather together. We bear witness to who we are when we are together explicitly in Christ. We do that in witness to one another and in witness to a world that wonders why those people keep giving up prime beach time. Right? They give up. Prime time to just go enjoy the weekend. Because that's not who we are. We are a Christ people. That's not where our joy is found. We are a Christ people. And from this place, we can go and party. From this place, we can celebrate. Secondly, the church is those who love one another, remember? Particularly... The church is those who, when scattered throughout the week, they yet come together in homes and neighborhoods. They share meals together. They go to the beach together. They, they party together. They pray together. They teach one another. They confess their sins to one another. What in the world is that? It's to encourage one another and exhort one another. Preach the gospel over one another. This is the essence of our community groups. We don't scatter to build a private, self-defined kingdom for ourselves. We scatter about the county into clusters of love and mission. I want to call you this morning to prioritize community group. That it is a way, another way during the course of the week to say we are together The people of the Savior. We abide in Him. We love one another. And we are witnesses in our neighborhoods, not just in a Sunday gathering. Thirdly, the church is those who make Jesus known. Here's what, what this means it means that the church isn't about the church. The church isn't about us. It's the, it's one of the reasons why in our order of service that at the beginning of the service, I don't say, Hey guys, welcome to Cross Point Coast. It's so good to be here. Y'all, so beautiful this morning. Glad to be your pastor and try to like work up some sort of happy up here. You know, it's why the welcome is welcome in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Cause it's true every single time. The church isn't about the church. Church isn't about a people who worked up the will to be together. It's the work of a church whose God has willed that in redemption we would be together as people. The church is about our head. It's about Jesus. So does that define the way we live transformed lives? Does the testimony of our lips point to Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. It's the essence of our mission. Our mission together is to point our community to Jesus Christ. This isn't some ambiguous, wishful thinking that maybe that might happen somehow. It's truly the mission of Crosspoint Coast as a church that we would be a people who are actually sharing the gospel we are actually going and sharing and living amongst a people who need to hear the truth, who are seeking opportunity to specifically invite individual people with individual hearts that the Spirit of God would invade by means of the preached Word and that they would become not a they any longer, but an us together in Christ. Who is the local church? When you show up in a town, how are you going to tell who the church is? You look around and ask, where's the church? I would encourage you, perhaps you should ask this. Who are the people in this town, neighbor, in this new town that I'm in? Who are the people in this town that gather to hear and be shaped by the Word? Who are the people in this town who gather to remember the Lord by partaking of the Lord's Supper and communion together? Who are the people who appear to love one another with the same sort of sacrificial love that Christ has loved the church? Who are the people who bear witness to the name of the Christ, no matter the consequence it has to their reputation or what might be their own little kingdom building and how they would order their week off on their own? Whoever that people are, friends, that is the church in Vieira and Brevard County. I pray that Cross Point Coast would be named among them. Cross Point Coast is simply one local expression of that church. So, who is the church? We are God's workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works, and these are works that He has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let us therefore partner to abide partner together in Christ to love and to bear witness to the One who has made us one together. Heavenly Father, this would be so, it would be because You did it, not because we just made it a commitment. Not because we decided to prioritize a gathering or prioritize a scattering together. Lord, it would be so because You've willed it and You've worked it by grace. And we are simply uniting ourselves to that by faith, and this itself is a gift from above. Lord, we believe you, we trust you, we believe that your way is good, that your prescription for your people is right. And Lord, we believe that joy can be found there, and yet we believe so many other things and those things so often are lies. Lord, I pray that we would be a Genesis 12 people, not a Genesis 11 people, that we would be... a. An Ephesians 2, 5 and on people. A people who live in light of the but God. Who live in light of the gospel. Lord, I pray that you would work that and we would say, what in the world has our God done? You are amazing in what you have done in redeeming a people to yourself. So that the praise would be to the praise of Your glory and grace. Thank You, Lord. We trust You for it. We trust You in the name of Jesus, our Savior, Redeemer. Amen.